The following program is created for informational purposes only and does not constitute as medical advice. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host. If you think you may have a medical emergency, consult your doctor. This is where the healing begins. This is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic, where it's not only about neck and back pain, but a place for whole body wellness. Listen this hour as Dr. Leanne is here to share her wellness education to help you live a maximized life. For more information, visit GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Here's Dr. Leanne. Good morning. Thanks for joining. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter with Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853. 317-893-2853. Or you can always reach out greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That is greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today, we are talking about serotonin and its relationship to seasonal affect disorder. Serotonin is kind of your happy, healthy mood regulator. And there are so often times that we go through seasons in our life where we could use a little bit more serotonin, right? We could use a little bit more boosting of the mood. We could use a little bit more serotonin to help us feel calm and focused. And I'm going to tell you, some natural ways to be able to do that. So if you've never listened to Maximize Your Life before, I do feel like it's something to touch base on at our office at Greenwood Family Chiropractic. Oh, hey, how you schedule an appointment? 317-893-2853. 317-893-2853. GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Mention the radio when you come in as well. It's always fun. We look at whole body wellness. I've had a couple uh, really great things. I've had three welcome to the world adjustments that I have been able to give over the last two weeks. What does that mean? Welcome to the world. Just like it sounds. Brand new fresh babies. And so we celebrated one of those babies and we said here at Greenwood Family Chiropractic, we like to celebrate good things and wins. And today this little baby got his very first adjustment at just four days old. And so inevitably there's usually a curmudgeon that is sitting out in the area. I ask permission to the moms before we do this, by the way. So it's, I'm not just like parading these babies out that without permission. Um, but the moms always love it too. Like they want people. So this old crabby guy comes back and's like, hey, why are you adjusting babies? And I said, the same reason why I take my kids to the dentist. And he was like, what do you mean? And, well, I take, them, I take them to the dentist preventatively. Like they don't have any cavities currently. They don't have any toothaches currently. It's just what you do to prevent them or if something's going on to catch it sooner. He's like, what do you mean catch what sooner? Well, if they have a loss of curvature in their neck, right, which is very common with 
technology these days with the chin down or scoliosis. For example, my kids, two out of the three of my kids already have x-rays. Um, one of them is in grade school. The other one is in preschool, pre-K. And the other one is just a couple years old. I don't have it on the couple year old child yet because she doesn't sit still long enough for me. So and why? Because my mom has a scoliosis. My grandmother has a very, very severe scoliosis. My husband's mother has a scoliosis. And those are ones most people don't know with the technique that we use in the office that is correctable. We also have doctors in place as well that are Clear Institute certified for scoli brace, for so for more intensive care when it comes to scoliosis. So why would I wait until my, say my daughter is 14 and has a 45 degree scoliosis when I can catch it when she's five or six and I can start doing something then, right? Same thing. Why would I wait until my toothache now becomes a whole extraction when I could do something more proactively about it now? And that's why we get babies adjusted. You have to think Women, you will understand this analogy a little bit more if you're moms. Remember a contraction? Remember how painful that's a muscle spasming to push a whole human out <laughs> by its head? So, yeah, uh huh. It's uh, I, I, one of the babies I adjusted, his head was a little bit cocked to the side and almost had this rug burn looking open sore on his head for every time his head kind of half moved packed past the pubic bone it would almost scrape on it so you've got to think like there is a lot colic not normal in babies constipation not normal in babies uh inability to latch right because they can't rotate their head not normal in babies like those those are aspects when you're like well what if we could do something more naturally preventatively proactively and that's why we get babies adjusted i have a patient who's in the office right now she has one two three four five seven fused vertebra already and she's 38 you know so just those aspects and you're like well what if she got adjusted when she was 10 would she have needed all of those maybe yes maybe no right but I can tell you that uh if she was adjusted since she was 15 to 38 the cost of chiropractic, corrective, structural, corrective chiropractic care is still exponentially less than whatever was likely cost for surgical fusions. So inevitably, it's like, well, what if we just what if we just worked more proactively on our health as opposed to like waiting until something was wrong and then saying, hey, I think I want to do something about this. You know, it's just just a odd thought, not not a common thought, but before we dive down deeper into serotonin, let's talk about some news. Dr. Leanne's Health News. Some studies suggest that too much sugar can literally mess with the brain. Health News now, one of the world's most commonly prescribed medications. Maybe Today, the average American consumes 22 teaspoons of sugar a Protesters day. Protesters say they just should not be forced to get this shot, not by the government. Today's health in the news. New blood test that screens for Alzheimer's may be a step closer to reality. So they talk about testing a person's blood for a type of protein called phosphorylated tau or P-tau could be used to screen for Alzheimer's disease with, quote, high accuracy 
even before symptoms begin to show. The study involves testing blood for a key biomarker of Alzheimer's called PTAU217, which increases at the same time as other damaging proteins, beta amyloid and tau. They build up in the brain of people with the disease. Currently, to identify the buildup of beta amyloid and tau in the brain, patients undergo a brain scan, scan or a spinal tap, which can often be inaccessible or costly. But this simple blood test was found to be 96% accurate in identifying elevated levels of beta amyloid and up to 97% accurate in identifying tau. This is published in the JAMA Neurology. They said what is impressive with these results is that the blood tests were just as accurate as advanced testing like cerebral spinal fluid tests and brain scans. It's showing Alzheimer's disease pathology in the brain. This comes from a a professor of neurochemistry at the University of Gothenburg in Sweden. Always so long. The studies studies findings came to no surprise to this uh, professor of neurochemistry who added that the scientific community has known for several years that using blood tests to measure tau or other biomarkers has the potential to assess Alzheimer's disease risk. He said, now we are close to these tests being prime time and this study shows that. Uh, he said, Alzheimer's disease, which is a brain disorder that affects memory and thinking skills, is the most common type of dementia, according to the NIH. Last year, the blood test for assessing beta amyloid proteins was made available for consumer purchase in the United States. The testing used for in the new study was called the uh, ALZ PATH, PTAU 2017 essay which is a commercially available tool developed by the company ALZ Path, which provides materials for the study at no cost for the study. (laughs) We'll see. They go on to talk about how um, the study included 786 people who had the average age of 66 and had a brain scan or spinal tap completed, as well as a blood sample collected. The data... And the samples came to the Transitional Biomarkers in Aging and Dementia, Wisconsin Registry for Alzheimer's Prevention, and St. Paul Initiative on Neurodegeneration. Man, they just don't care about these names. They're like, let's throw in all the words. They said some of the participants showed signs of cognitive decline while undergoing the data collection, but others did not. The research from the Institute and other countries uh, was published last year. Um, they're hoping that they can make it available. Right now, they said PET scans have radiation, cost over $5,000. Spinal taps are great because you get detailed information, but not everyone wants one. It's expensive and not covered by insurance. Why would insurance not cover that? That's one where you're like, oh, insurance, you don't want to pay to see if I have Alzheimer's dementia? Like, get out of here. I don't want to have to pay for it. Here's what I think. So they're like, everybody over 50 could be routinely screened every few years in the same way they're screened for high cholesterol. Here's the kicker of this, is that though there's not one definitive smoking gun that says this is what causes Alzheimer's, there are 396, I found this. There's a recent study that looked at 396 studies and have been able to identify 10 risk factors that are shown to increase the likelihood of developing the disease, okay? So if I said, hey, 
If you pay attention to these 10 things, you have an absolute decrease in your likelihood of developing Alzheimer's. Not definitive, right? But an absolute decrease. 400 studies have showed us this. Uh, Number one is education level. Evidence shows uh, a lower education level is associated with an increased risk of Alzheimer's. Previous evidence shows that the longer you spend in education, the lower your risk of developing dementia. Research looks at the brain of different people from educational backgrounds. Also showed that people who are more educated had heavier brains. So as you lose one third of your brain weight because of dementia, a heavier brain may make you more resilient. If you're like, I don't have that education, what's stopping you from getting it now? And that's what I feel like leads into the second one, which is cognitive activity. Evidence shows that keeping our brains active can also fight against dementia. So activities like word puzzles stimulate your brain and can strengthen the connectivity between brain cells. This connectivity is broken down in dementia. So hypertension in midlife. I feel like this is an important one where you're like, oh, if only there was a way to test. And we're like, oh, but is is there? Because again, study after study after study shows that hypertension in midlife, uh, higher incidence of heart disease and those suffering from high blood pressure impact on the blood and nutrient supply to the brain. Interestingly enough, this association still exists even for those who have high blood pressure on its own. Bottom line is that reducing blood supply to the brain is linked with Alzheimer's, which is also where they say orthostatic hypotension, right? Someone who experiences low blood pressure when standing or lying down. Uh, Because the body is unable to maintain sufficient blood supply to the brain during postural changes, this can have a long-term effect on the brain. Diabetes. This is more talking about uh, insulin, right? Type 1 maybe out of your control. Majority of the population in the United States is type 2, which is lifestyle created. Insulin is essential. It regulates the metabolism of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins by helping blood glucose absorb into the liver, fat, and muscles. Alzheimer's disease also appears to disrupt the brain's ability to react to insulin. BMI, higher BMI, they found increases your risk of dementia. Head trauma. Okay, are you ready for this? <laughs> Hyperhomocysteinemia. So basically, it's looking at homocysteine. Homocysteine is a naturally occurring amino acid involved in the body's production of its defense mechanisms. Which, so it deals a lot with uh, antioxidants that prevent cellular damage. Elevated levels of homocysteine in the blood in people with dementia was first reported back in the late 1990s. And there has been dozens of studies that have since shown that reducing levels of homocysteine may protect against dementia. Here's another one. Animal studies suggest elevated levels of homocysteine damage the brain by interfering with energy production. So consuming more folate and B12 can lower homocysteine and may reduce dementia risk. So B9 and B12. Depression, right? This is one the more depressive episodes. They found depression can increase levels of harmful chemicals in the brain. An imbalance of these chemicals can lead to loss of brain cells and last stress, right? 
for keeping dementia at bay, they found that stress can have an impact on memory. So cortisol levels would be affected and therefore reducing the chance of developing dementia. This is not the only one. When you look at other aspects for uh, Alzheimer's, so heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, weight, nutritious diet, physical activity, smoking, are those things like type 1 diabetes, maybe outside of your control, right? Depression, maybe outside of your control. But the things that are inside of our control, you're like, hi, here's this new test that can show you about dementia. And you're like, what if we put the resources and the value on not testing to see once we get dementia, but doing all of the things in our life that can proactively work on making it so we don't get dementia. But do we think that's too much work? It's just, it's probably easier just to like test for it and then like try to treat it early than actually like getting out, exercising, eating right. So many times high blood pressure, increase of cholesterol, those do have a huge impact and you can, you can also impact them by diet and exercise and mediation of stress and all of those things. But, you know, might not be as easy as a quick test or a quick pill. But I promise you that your brain is inevitably 100% worth it. So when we come back, does sugar have an effect on your happy, healthy mood regulators? Tell you more next. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Videos, tips, deals, and more. Find Greenwood Family Chiropractic on Instagram. Here's Dr. Leanne. Just keep moving on. Just keep pushing ahead. Yeah, the new has come. On the day. Just keep moving on. Keep your eyes on the prize. And that word in your heart. Yeah, we'll be alright. We got that. We got that. Welcome back. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That's greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today we're talking about serotonin, your happy, healthy mood regulator, and its correlation to seasonal affect disorder. <laughs> okay, let's talk. Let's talk sad. Seasonal affective disorder. My apologies. Also known as sad is a type of depression that comes and goes in a seasonal pattern, sometimes known as winter depression because the symptoms are more apparent and more severe during the winter months. Symptoms of season. Well, I'm, and I'm going to tie this into what I think the season that this comes in, right, which is typically fall into early spring or summer, when we talk about this seasonal effect disorder, I'm like, let's talk about the other things that are also happening when we go through this, because I do feel like it makes a difference when we talk about choices and things that we can do more proactively through this season or phase. So some symptoms, persistent low mood, 
loss of pleasure or interest in normal everyday activities, irritability, feelings of despair, guilt, or worthlessness, feeling lethargic, lacking in energy, and sleeping during the day, sleeping for longer than normal and finding it's hard to get up in the morning, craving carbohydrates and gaining weight, difficulty concentrating, and decreased sex drive. You're like, maybe that's all of me. I have seasonal effect disorder. Well, there are, there's an exact cause is not fully understood, but we do know that there are some links. So let's talk about them. Number one is production of melatonin. So melatonin is a hormone that makes you feel sleepy. And people with SAD, it produces higher than normal levels. Production of serotonin. We are going to dive down deep into serotonin today. Serotonin is a hormone that affects your mood, your appetite, sleep. So oddly enough, a lack of sunshine may lead to lower serotonin. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, And your circadian rhythm, your body's internal clock. So when we're talking about this seasonal effect disorder, Um, one of the things that I get a lot during this season are sugar cravings. And there is a reason. Why do we crave sugar when our serotonin is low? So let's first talk about uh, serotonin is released in your brain. When it's released in your brain, you feel happy, right? This is your happy hormone. When it starts to get cold and the days in winter get shorter, there is a decrease in sunlight and activity, which can lead to a drop in serotonin, which makes us feel less happy. So when we're looking, naturally, our brains want to be happy. And so we start seeking things that will increase our dopamine and our serotonin. These light up the reward center in our brain, giving us pleasure and satisfaction. Sugar plays a huge role in this because most, almost as soon as sugar ever touches our tongue, it lights up the reward center, causing a surge of these neurotransmitters, dopamine and serotonin. We feel pleasure, and this causes our brain to produce even more serotonin, and it's a win-win, right? Like, we're just tasting good stuff, and we're feeling great. Unfortunately, relying on sugar to boost your serotonin level is temporary. It doesn't last very long. The more that we rely on sugar to boost our dopamine and serotonin, the more sugar our brains will crave and need leading to this unhealthy cycle that isn't going to balance the chemicals long term, right? So the body's like, I feel sad. I want sugar. And it's like, ooh, sugar makes me happy. Happy makes me produce hormones. Let's do it. Win, win, more sugar, more sugar. But it's like any sort of chemical that you put in your body over the course of time, your body gets used to it and you need a little bit more. And so we've got this cycle that starts where the body's like, hey, I'm trying to address low serotonin and I'm trying to fill that gap in with sugar. And you're like, could you see how that would and could be very problematic? And so, so oftentimes, but here's what 
we know the days will get shorter during winter. That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. That is the way that the seasons are made. But not everyone has this seasonal effect disorder. Not everyone has problems with serotonin. Here's the thing that I think we come all the way around is that most of serotonin, 95% of serotonin is actually produced in our intestines. And the way that it gets from our intestines to our brain is it travels up the vagus nerve. So the health of your gut is also very dependent on how many neurotransmitters are created. So let's say you had Halloween where you had some candy. Then you came into the Thanksgiving season where you had pumpkin rolls and whatever, the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows and the, the whatever, the stuffing. And then we roll into Christmas where we have all the Christmas parties and all the holiday parties and the holiday cocktails and the New Year's celebration. And then then all of a sudden January hits, starting to get cold. February hits, starting to get cold. February, March, April, where it's still cold. The days are still short. We're not seeing as much sunshine they were like, man, our serotonin's super low and it's like more sugar. But sugar is what's disrupting the microbiome of your gut anyway, right? Like, so, so we've got this huge cycle where it's like sugar messes up your gut flora. And then we're like, hi, we want this gut flora to produce us serotonin and dopamine, these neurotransmitters, but it's not going to produce them because you messed up your gut with sugar. But then we give it more sugar to try to increase that happy, healthy feeling that our brain is getting from the neurotransmitters, but by inevitably making ourselves sicker over and over and over again. Why do you do it? It's such a, such a vicious cycle. And so there are, there are things that you can control, right? You can very much control what goes into your mouth. You might not feel like it. Oh no, I need this. I need this. You know what's interesting is uh, do a fast. Do a water fast for a day, two days, three days to see how you do. Because I bet you, I bet you you'll see a difference. It's hard, but when your body's like, oh my gosh, like, I, there's zero chance I could do this. You can do it, right? Like, you can go, what, what is it, 40 days without food is what it ends up being? Like, 40. You can, you can do it. I sure know you can. And oftentimes, after I do the fasting, it changes my relationship with food. It's like, oh, no, you don't. You don't need that. You want it. You don't need it, right? Like so many, the, the problem is, is that we, we live to eat. We don't eat to live, which is why, again, I see so many individuals who are overweight, have incredibly high BMIs. BMI is kind of relative with muscle, right? But overweight, truly overweight, obese, and they are deficient in nutrients. It is a very very interesting thing to be able to see you know but here we are uh, so if you're just tuning in you're listening to maximize your life i'm dr leanne schluter so here's what we cannot control winter 
shorter days. It's just how it is. But there are some things you can do more proactively to increase serotonin. Now, it is fair to say that some of these things, if you are on an SSRI, right? So what is an SSRI uh, or an SNRI? An SSRI is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. These are oftentimes antidepressants, SSRI. Uh, You can still do these things, though from a supplement standpoint, you should not take these. Now, remember, I'm not a prescribing physician. I'm not your physician unless you're an active patient in the office. So if you want more in-detail, in-depth recommendations, you have to come in so that we can actually sit down and go through more of an extensive health history. But what an SSRI does... It, when you say it out loud, it makes a lot of sense to the mechanism of action of this drug. It makes it so that when your body naturally produces serotonin, it says, hey, if we block the body's ability to cycle it, because usually your body produces serotonin, it absorbs serotonin, produces serotonin, absorbs serotonin. But the problem is, is that when we say, hey, What makes sense is that if we make it so the body can't reabsorb serotonin, then there would just be a ton of serotonin in the body and like everyone would be super happy because they'd have all of this extra serotonin. But what they're feeling to realize is that it actually changes your brain chemistry, right? So it is possible to increase serotonin levels without taking medication. So I'm going to break down a couple of them for you. Number one, if the days are short, uh, there's you kind of have to make do with what you have. But I will say that whenever I am, uh, whenever there's a really sunny day, I try to go for a walk. Even if it's cold, I'm going to bundle up because I want that sun. I want to be out for a little bit longer to get exposure to that sunlight. Sunlight is perhaps one of the most beneficial natural sources of serotonin. There's been a study that actually found direct correlation with sunlight, seasonality, and uh, serotonin levels. So it has been shown one to like get outside, get more sunlight. The other thing too that you can do, there's actually light boxes Some of them are light boxes. Some of them are natural vitamin D lamps. We have a natural vitamin D lamp at my house. And so if I ever feel like I'm getting kind of into a winter funk, I will go um, do a super, super hard, heavy workout. I'm going to explain a little bit more about that. I sit in front of my vitamin D lamp and I eat a couple specific foods that are very, very high in an amino acid that helps increase serotonin. And when I tell you that, it makes a magnitude of difference. Now, there's a reason why exercise helps with serotonin and more specifically, the way the body utilizes that for happiness. And we'll talk more about what that is next. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. This is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic. Here's Dr. Leanne.
happy or not, here I come. Today's show is about serotonin. <laughs> if you're tuning in, you're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. Someone said to me the other day, <laughs> I was probably telling a joke to myself with them in the room though. And um, he's like, you want to know what? I've listened to you for months before I actually came into the office. I'm like, yeah. And he was like, you're just like how you are on the radio. And I was like, I sit in a room by myself and make jokes and hope that my radio producer laughs. So <laughs> it's about 50-50. So today we're talking about seasonal affect disorder and mood, right? So I think it's seasonal affective disorder and serotonin. So serotonin is your happy mood regulator. It's what makes you happy. Uh, I mean, serotonin actually does quite a bit of other things, digestion, sleep, breathing, body temperature. Anyways, uh, working out, right? especially when it's cold outside and you don't want to get outside, this is the time to get your body moving. A natural way to increase serotonin is by working out, right? And you're like, but isn't there something easier? There is, but this is one of the more effective ones. So listen up. So when you pedal your bicycle or you lift a weight, your body releases more tryptophan, Tryptophan is an amino acid your brain uses to make serotonin. So this boost in serotonin, along with other endorphins, is uh, this is when people are like, oh, it's a runner's high, right? Like after an intense workout, you, like, you feel good. It's the endorphins. And more specifically, it is um, tryptophan that you're experiencing when you're like, oh, so wonderful, uh, again, if you are just tuning in, we talked about sun exposure and bright light. It's kind of meant to re- naturally increase serotonin levels. Um, light therapy is great. There's light boxes. In our home, we do have a vitamin D lamp. It's short. It's probably a foot and a half tall when it's maybe a foot wide. Um, so it's just one aspect of like, hey, what are you doing you're like just trying to naturally increase. We talked about sugar and so decreasing sugar as it competes with serotonin and massively inevitably wrecks your gut health. But here's some other things that we can pay attention to. Now, when we talk about tryptophan, it is an essential amino acid. So that means that it is essential to get tryptophan from your diet to make serotonin. Now, you're, basically what happens is um, serotonin moves to 5-HTP, which then moves to serotonin. So when we talk about like, hey, what are some natural ways to increase my serotonin, Some of them are going to be to eat more tryptophan-rich foods. And you're probably thinking, what is that? Exactly. Uh, Most of them come from animal proteins. So chicken, turkey, turkey, okay. 
turkey tryptophan. Um, sometimes they'll be like, oh, it makes you sleepy and tired. Not really, but uh, it's typically overeating. Chicken, turkey, beef are some of the richest sources. Salmon is another one. Pumpkin seeds, eggs. So, and you can also pair them with other um, tryptophan rich foods with complex carbs, sweet potatoes, veggies, fruits. Um, it helps just drive more tryptophan into the brain. Uh, another thing that you can do is omega-3 fatty, oh, vitamin D. Uh, omega-3 fatty, yes, I'm going to talk about vitamin D. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've anyone who comes into the office and they're like, I think I have seasonal affective disorder. I'm just so sad because it's winter, all of the things. I'm like, go get a good workout in and let's test your vitamin D levels. And majority of those people have incredibly low vitamin D levels. So uh, omega-3 is really good for brain health. Uh, but then as well, when you look at vitamin D, so you can get a lot of that through um, quality seafood as well. Here's a quick side note too, which I think is really interesting. My health in the news was about Alzheimer's and you know this new test coming out with Alzheimer's and all of the things, but they've actually done research, uh, an overview that talks about, it was a study, it's a, uh, where was it published? Don Hopkins Medicine. Uh, a study suggests serotonin loss may contribute to cognitive decline in early stages of Alzheimer's disease. So they actually looked at PET scans of almost 100 adults with and without mild cognitive impair, MCI. And they say research says relatively low levels of the so-called happiness chemical, serotonin, and parts of the brain of those with mild cognitive impair may play a role in memory problems, including Alzheimer's disease. It was actually published uh, September 13th of 2023 in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. That actually went to show more of the disease progression and uh, the amount of serotonin that they could measure in the body. So I thought that was very interesting when we were like, oh, I want to be happy. And it was like, yes, you want to be happy, but also you know, if you can lessen the amount of, uh, of disease processes in your brain, that's always kind of really obviously important too. Now, 5-HTP. This is one that does come, remember, I don't prescribe you any medication. I don't put you on it. I don't take you off of it. Um, in the same aspect, I am not a prescribing physician. I'm not your physician. So uh, going through, it's always really important. So if you are on someone who's on an SNRI or an SSRI, those are ones that should not be taking 5-HTP. 5-HTP is uh, a really good, like I have someone who uh, just lost their like a loved one and was going through our time. And she was like, I am telling you, I will not take any of those medications. Um, 5-HTP is 5-hydroxytryptophan. Uh, and so after tryptophan is converted to 5-HTP, the chemicals changed over to another one called serotonin. So 5-HTP is just that intermediate. Uh, we have a 5-HTP supreme that we have in our office, but it's one of people um, – you know, people are like, oh, can you take too much of it? Yes, you could take virtually too much of anything. But 
like fibromyalgia is another one. People, uh, fibromyalgia often have low serotonin. So it helps with like pain, morning stiffness, sleeplessness. Uh, 5-HPP has helped alleviate symptoms of fibromyalgia, seizure disorder, Parkinson's. I told you about progression of Alzheimer's. Most of the time, if a big life event happens and people don't want to take an SSRI, like a prescribed antidepressant, this is one that some, sometimes it works for it, maybe not for everyone, but it's most definitely a sit down because you're like, hey, I want to naturally increase serotonin. And you're like, you you can do that and you can do it easily. Now, the food part's a little bit harder only because of the sheer fact, like we do functional medicine testing to see how that transition from uh, to serotonin is going. And oftentimes, if it's very, very high and off the charts, it tells me that there is something more GI related that is probably happening. And majority of the times it is it is true, but your body is not transitioning over that amino acid. So you can increase your protein, what you intake. And then there's always the things that just should naturally help too, right? So we're talking about like getting, you might just need instead of maybe in the summer when the days are longer and you've got more serotonin, Maybe you only need um, six hours of sleep, right? Or seven hours of sleep. And maybe you need six and a half or seven and a half or eight, you know, when you're going through this. And that's okay. Like, I think just being mindful of your body and understanding that, like, sometimes you just need a little bit more. Cutting out the sugar, uh, massage and meditate, right? The things that can actually help you relax because cortisol (laughs) is not a friend of serotonin but yes you know what you can do you can exercise you know you can do light therapy you know you can do really good clean healthy animal-based proteins you know you can do um again exercise (laughs) like there's so many things that you can do go to bed a little bit earlier if you know that you're not going to be able to lengthen the days when there's sunshine go outside Take that 10, 20 minutes, let the sunshine hit your eyes and let it help naturally create that serotonin. But when you're talking about get your vitamin D levels tested, there are ways that you don't have to hate a full season, months of your life, just because maybe your serotonin levels are off a little bit. There are things that can be done. And the really great news is that we don't prescribe anything to you. We don't put you on and we don't take you off of them. But what if you had the ability to feel better, sleep better, be happier, all because you made more natural changes? And that's inevitably root causation and figuring out how we do what we do at Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853. 317-893-2853. GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Always appreciate you tuning in. Look forward to next week, but always remember that your power is on.